So we're in this imperfect family series, and um, I'm going to start off taking a look at Genesis, where things first went imperfect. Uh, we know in Scripture that God creates everything. It says in Genesis that God creates everything, and he looks down at it, and he says, that's good, and that's good, and oh, that's good. All these things are good. I've created all these things that are good. And then all of a sudden, there's one time you get the first sort of record scratch, like, hold on, something's not good. And it's when he looks down and he sees that Adam's alone. And then we say, okay, uh, it's not good that man be alone. So he creates uh, someone to be with him and do life with him. We know that's Eve. And so they're put in place. But then we know we see another imperfect thing happen. We see that they choose to eat uh, the apple and, and they bring about sin and they bring about this, this falling away from God happens. And so all the way from Genesis, we have now been on mission to bring about restoration from what was once lost to bring it back into the order in which God wants it. Can I get an amen? And so it's this thing, and what's amazing and what's on our honor and our privilege and what we should appreciate and understand is that God uses us, very imperfect people, to bring about the restoration. Aren't you glad you're a part of God's work? What a privilege and an honor for God to be able to choose us and use us. Even though we don't have it all figured out, God uses us to be the answer or the remedy to this fallen world that we live in. This, this God didn't design it to be this way, but because of Jesus dying on the cross, it's empowered us to be the people who can bring thy kingdom come to earth. Amen. So that's what we get to be a part of. That's what this imperfect family gets to do. We get to bring about restoration and, and, and wholeness to this world. You know, that there's, there's nothing that's out of order in our world that God, or you could say heaven, doesn't have a solution for. Heaven's not like, man, I wish we could really figure that out. No, the answers are all there. We just got to seek and pursue him and get his ways to bring it about to earth. Are you with me today? And so a lot of times, you know, religion makes it into like a task or a duty or a chore or, oh man, we got to do this thing because that's what Christians do to make the world a better place. No, no, the scripture says we're co-laborers with God. The creator of heaven and earth who put everything in place is saying, hey, you guys want to do something? Let's bring about restoration to our, our earth. Let's, let's help the, the hurting. Let's bring hope back into our communities. Are you with me? That's what we get to be a part of. And that's what we're going to talk about today is how we can be people who bring hope and healing and wholeness and restoration into areas that are broken in our community. When we launched this church, we used this phrase a lot. We put it in our launch packets. Before we ever had a church service, we had about 65 people that would gather, and we'd go through this launch packet, and we'd remind ourselves about why we're planting a church and why it's important and what God's plan is for it. And this is a statement that we used a lot, and it was in a part of our packet. It said this. It said, we believe the church does not need a mission. All these churches set out and say, oh, hey, we need to come up with a mission, and we need to have a thing. We believe the church doesn't need a mission. Rather, the mission needs a church. Therefore, our mission is to fulfill the great commission in the great command of Jesus Christ, which is found in Mark 16, 15. Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Obviously, the key part here is our mission is to go into all the world. It doesn't say hang out in all the church buildings, hang out in all the four walls, it says, hey, in order for this mission to be effective and in order for this mission to reach people, all creation, we got to be a people who know how to go. We got to get out of this building. We got to get out of this place. We got to get outside the church and we need to find ways to go reach people creatively for the cause of Christ and, and to be this hope and this healing and this restoration. Uh, Ed Stetzer, you've probably heard me share this before. Ed Stetzer says this, 
Uh, he's a church data research guy. He says, the United States has far more church buildings than the number of McDonald's, Starbucks, and Dunkin' Don Donuts stores combined, giving the impression that there's a church facility on every corner and plenty of room for anyone who wants to take part. In reality, if the entire population of more than 300 million Americans wanted to go to an established church, including those that meet in storefronts, rented school facilities, and the like, more than half would be turned away, even if every church held three weekend services. So if immediately every church said, hey, we're doing three church services starting next weekend, every church in America tried to do that, we'd still turn away half of America. Because what? The harvest is plentiful, but the labor places are few. We're living that scripture right now. The other part that I want to say, too, is you say, well, that's not true in West Michigan. West Michigan, everybody goes to church. In a 30-mile radius of our biggest city, so Grand Rapids, 30-mile radius, which would be considered our catch or our net, half of our population, half of our one million person population either is unchurched or dechurched. We're only at a 50% rate in our local area. So what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say we need to be a church who's on mission for the Great Commission to go reach people wherever they may be. Can I get an amen? Yeah. So what I want to say is if we don't have space for half of the population to come to our church, that also means there's a huge territory of people out there who aren't being uh, reached in terms of the Great Commission or our language or our conversation. If this many people aren't coming to church, that means they're out there doing their life and going about their business. Well, how are they hearing? How are they hearing the good news of the gospel? It said, go preach this good news to the gospel. Go preach it to all people. If they're not coming here, where are they hearing it? Well, maybe accidentally they turn on Joy FM and they hear a good word. Maybe they stumble upon that terrible Christian television that we see <laughs> and they feel so inspired. <laughs> How are they hearing? How are they hearing? We need to be a people who live out the Great Commission that we've got to go to them. Can I get an amen? Church is great. We love church and we've given our life to church and creating church. But we have got to be a people who live on mission of the Great Commission, which is going out and connecting to people. That's why in our launch days, we changed our prayer. We didn't, as a launch team, come together and pray, God, give us our city. Lord, would you give us our city? We want our city. Would you give us our city? Instead, this is the prayer that we prayed in all of our launch packets. We prayed, God, give us to our city. God, we want to be a church that's given to our city. We want to be where they are. We want to be in their places of need. We want to be positioned and postured where we can go to where they are with the good news of the gospel. That's why Isaiah 1.17 says this in the New King James Version. It says, learn to do good. Do you know that doing good doesn't naturally come to us? Unfortunately, doing bad naturally comes good to us. Learn to do good. We've got to be on a mission to do good. It says, seek justice. Rebuke the oppressor. That takes work. Got to be a people who show up and push back on things that are oppressing people. We got to step into their lives and say, hey, this addiction isn't going to hold its place. Hey, this thing that you're dealing with, we're going to rebuke the oppressor off your life. Defend the fatherless. That also takes work. Someone who's, who's missing a father in their home. Hey, we're going to come in. We're going to defend you. We're going to make sure you're okay. Are you with me today? Yeah. And plead for the widow. I thought about this scripture. And this scripture is probably never more in play than in this ministry that we partner with called Kids Hope. Uh, we haven't been a part of Kids Hope for a couple years because of the things that came along with, you know, the shutdowns and masks and volunteers and people having to get into schools and out of schools. And so it's been a couple years since we've been a part of it. But Kids Hope is an amazing ministry uh, that takes place in the local schools, the elementary schools. And the way that it works is they partner with churches to be able to get volunteers that come in one hour 
every single week for the school year. And uh, you think, well, what kind of difference is that going to make? I'm going to show you a video here in just a minute about some of the impact that it makes. But this is one of the ways that you can come in and rebuke the oppressor off a young kid's life. You can defend the fatherless. Are you with me? You can get and say, hey, for for one hour, I'm going to be here. I'm going to speak life over you. I'm going to encourage you. Uh, In a world of negativity, I'm going to come in and I'm going to be a light and a shelter for you in your life. Are you with me today? So we got a video. I want you to check out what it looks like. And then I'm going to tell you about how maybe you can be a part of it. Go ahead and roll the video. Students who are at risk um, are normally at risk either emotionally or psychologically. We see it in school, in their academics, their behavior, or their attendance. And normally something has happened in their family, maybe a family change, um, it could be a broken home, it could be something tragic that has happened. Um, So normally that's what we consider at risk. One of the things that the states look at is the number of students not reading on grade level by that age, and that determines the number of beds that may be needed in prisons in the future. Kids Hope is a program that identifies church members and partner them with students at the school, and the program is set up to where the mentor comes one day a week for one hour and have a one-on-one just relationship with the child. It's not a particularly structured time, but they do have activities uh, that they can do one-on-one with the student. It's truly about the relationship, and that's really the key behind Kids Hope and its success at school. Well, I think that there's so many kids that uh, that need this, that don't have it. Again, we don't we don't know the family situations. We don't know what's going on in school. We have absolutely no idea what's going on behind the scenes, but we do know that there's a lot of kids that need this program. And to just spend an hour every single week is not that big of a a commitment. Um, You do have to be willing to show up, but most people can find an hour in the week to do it. A picture is worth a thousand words. What I see is when that child looks at that mentor and sees them, the smile that's on that child's face, I mean, that is really special to see the impact that these mentors are making with these children because I think that child is looking and saying, this is just from me. This this person is here just for me. When you look back on this experience, it will be one of the most rewarding experiences that you will ever have in your entire life. As they go through life, this will be a memory that they will take with them forever of the difference that they made in that life of that child. I know many of you have been a part of it in the years past, and just what they said, um, it it becomes actually like a privilege, a highlight of your weeks to be able to be a part of it. Uh, I think for us as a church, you know, we we were all in. It was really neat for us at a church. As a church, at one point, we were a part of Woodbridge, Woodbridge Elementary, and during the week, so Monday through Friday, there was actually a time where basically we had a vertical church member in the school every hour. It's like you'd high-five somebody on the way out. We had like almost complete coverage because we were continuing to meet the need of these young kids. Uh, As you heard, it's one hour every single week. Sometimes you're helping with a little bit of homework. Sometimes you're just going out with them on the playground. Sometimes there's different activities you're having them work with. Some of the things that you see is like as the kids are all learning and maybe some kid didn't quite catch it or understand, he's not going to raise his hand and hold up the whole class and say, hey, I didn't quite understand that. Can you tell? And so what we get to do is a teacher gets to say, hey, here's something they need a little bit of help with. So we get to help them and go over it. And, and it's always so much fun. You get to have conversations. Sometimes it's just playing board games with them. You get to go together. I, I, I remember for one of the years we did it, had this little dude. And we were just shooting Beyblades. You remember those things? You pull the ripper and they go spinning around. We're just shooting Beyblades and we're doing this thing. But he was in kind of a, a struggling home. 
and they had just had twins. His mom didn't have a dad in the home. They just had twins. So we're shooting Beyblades. We're doing this kind of stuff. And he says, I said, oh, man, how's the twins going? You know, it's like we had a baby in our house at the same time. I said, you're probably not getting any sleep like I'm not getting any sleep. And he was like, no, I'm actually not getting any attention. You know, and he was just saying, and he was like opening up. There's not room in a classroom for him to open up that way. So I got to speak life. And I was like, oh, but dude, you're, you mean so much to your mom because, because you're there. And I bet you're helping. And I got to re, get him to relook at that situation. I was like, bro, no, you're a help. And you give me the thing. And so I got to keep up with him and connect with that. Instead of him carrying that every day, every single week, I always kind of wonder. got to say no. We'd play football. We'd go out. We'd play football. I got to break up fights, and I got to do all this stuff. And say, no, no, we don't do that. You know, we got to, and, and, and it's just little life things that you get to come in alongside and speak life. It's this. It's seek, seek how to do good. How can we go do good in the school? How can we come along and support teachers and support our public education systems and, and be light in life in our, in our schools? Are you with me? Yeah. I thought about it like this. Is uh, for us... All these young people, and you know this growing up. Think about your life growing up. You don't remember the Nobel Peace Prize winner when you were seven years old. You don't barely even remember the president or what they accomplished. You, you, you don't remember uh, the Heisman Trophy winner, all these big accolades. But I guarantee every single one of you could tell me about a teacher who made an impact in your life, a coach, a volunteer, a Sunday school teacher, where you go, man, I was really going through a season. I had this one person who just spoke life over me in this hard, dark season. That was un- That's what kids hope gets to be. That's what we get to do as a church is get to step in and say, hey, how can we support? And then what's cool for us is uh, not only do we get to mentor, uh, but we get to throw a, a, start, a start of the year party. We throw a Christmas party. We throw an end of the year party. We get to put together these times where everybody and their students get to come together and throw these parties and have a great time. And this is where many people say, why would the church do that? We need more Sunday school. We need more Bible studies. We need more less. No, we need to live on mission and go to the place where they are. We need to be the church who gets outside of these four walls and go make a commitment and an impact on a continual basis in a young person's life. Are you with me? And so if that's you, if you say, hey, I, I have the opportunity to do that, maybe it's been amazing for me to see how many people would sacrifice a lunch break, right? Like they're running into the school for that one hour and they're quick eating a granola bar and then they're going right back to work. They're arranging things in their life so that they can go be a mentor uh, to some of these kids. You say, well, I, I'm not like I don't have a teaching degree. I'm not very good at you don't have to have any of that. You just have to have a love in your heart to make an impact in some young people's lives and God will use you tremendously. Amen. And so that's one of the things that I wanted to pitch to you today in this imperfect world, in this imperfect broken thing. How can we be a part of restoration? Kids Hope is a big way that we do that, and we're excited to be able to get back in to do it. If you want to do it, there's a couple ways you can let us know that you're interested. One, all of this lives in the app and on the website. You can go right in there, and you can say, hey, I'm interested. Get me plugged in. Uh, you want to find out more about it, you can do it digitally. But then also at the end of service, you can go down the hallway. Just past the coffee bar to the information booth. Uh, Vanessa will be back there, and then uh, Elena will be back there as well. But you can sign up and get more information at the information booth. But again, this is the kind of church that God desires, is the one that says, hey, we're not just going to play religion. We're going to go meet the need. Amen? Along with that, another one that we love so much is, um, is in the same thing. If we're talking about community shortages, 
Remember we said that there half of the world's population or half of the country's population would be turned away. If there's a shortage, there's another shortage that we see, and many of you know it through a ministry that we have called Hand to Hand. Uh, we see a shortage in kids going home and being hungry on the weekends. We see in this 68-hour time frame from when they get their last uh, sort of government assistant meal on Friday to coming back on Monday, there's a great need. There's a great shortage. And it's a great opportunity for the church to say, hey, let's step in. Let's meet the need. Let's make an impact and be a part of it. Currently, there's about 8,300 children in the hand-to-hand program receiving meals. Come on. That's a miracle. That 8,300 in the state of Michigan kids are, are receiving meals through hand-to-hand. It's made up over 256 schools are a part of this ministry hand-to-hand. But... There's 105,000 kids that qualify and participate in the free or reduced lunches, which is basically the category. So even though 8,300 is a phenomenal number, it's a drop in the bucket compared to the 105. Are you with me? And so what does that mean? It means it's an opportunity for the church to get outside its four walls and participate and connect in what is a great need. Amen. So here's a video for those of you that haven't heard much about it, and then we'll talk about how we do it as a church. But check out a little bit more about Hand to Hand. transferred my children to Jenison about five years ago. We had been offered more help than the district that we had been in since my kids were in preschool had ever, ever offered. And at that time, we were very, very much struggling. Shortly after being diagnosed, I lost my $40,000 a year salary job because I am sick. Um, And we lost everything. Everything in our bank. Um, We were on the verge of being homeowners and that went right out the window. Um, And I couldn't feed my kids anymore. discreetly place um, a bag of food into the locker on Fridays um, and we just asked that you return the bag and I was a little bit hesitant you know I didn't want my kids to get this backpack and be walking out of school and everybody go oh (laughs) there's the poor kids that don't live in district you know the fourth grade teacher said no no please just try it and so I picked because we're out of district, I picked my kids up, and um, my fourth grader got in the car, and the look on his face, like, I, thought, I would have thought he won the Toys R Us lotto, you know? And I said, tell me why you're, you know, what's the big surprise, tell me. And he pulls out his backpack, and he pulls out a black Jenison drawstring bag. And so he starts pulling out, you know, these juice box and a little um, breakfast bar and a, a can of ravioli or soup or whatever it was at the time and I didn't have to worry for an entire weekend what I was going to feed my kids and I can't I can't explain that feeling because I have one job <laughs> that's to raise functioning citizens that I can feed And never in my life did I think that I would not be able to feed my children. 
what hand-to-hand um, -hand has done for my household has reminded us that people do care, that they don't pass judgment, that they are aware um, that hard times hit everyone. The constant worry is not there anymore. And that, again, I can't explain that to anyone unless you have had to deal with that. It's a very hard place to be in and you have hand-to-hand -hand come and they provide, you know, it's much more than just a backpack full of food. It's giving back hope. love that she says, you know, constant worry gets to go away. You know, Rick Warren says, hope is the oxygen of our soul. It's the oxygen. It's, it's, it's fresh air, having hope. Uh, Daniel's alluded this as well when he preached, but Rick Warren says the same thing. You know, there's a lot that we can tolerate or we can withstand for a certain amount of time. You can go quite a while and tolerate life without food. You can go quite a while, not too long. Uh, without water, but you can tolerate even time without actual air. You can hold your breath for a certain amount of time. You can tolerate life without forms of entertainment. But the, like she said, the constant grind of living a hopeless life is a terrible way to live. To say, how am I going to get there? How am I ever going to? So, so when we are the church and we get to show up and we get to say, hey, we got you for the weekend. I don't have to worry about this. I can, I can keep working on putting other things together in my life. That's why we believe this, that the local church is the hope of the world. Why is the local church the hope of the world? Because it's the body of Christ. It's Jesus coming and being uh, what we believe he's called to be, uh, which is the restorer of all things. We get to be a part of that. Are you with me? Uh, I, I thought about this. James 1.27 says it this way. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless, faultless is this, to look after the orphans and widows in their distress. That's what she was just talking about. And to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. You know, we can get polluted by the world saying, oh, they must have messed up. They deserve the life that they're in. They must have made some mistakes. And we get polluted thinking, oh, I only got to take care of me and myself. You know, culture tells you, you do you. You take care of you. You do your thing. You build your empire. You do your own thing. And this scripture saying, hey, the best kind of religion is one that doesn't get polluted by the way that the world thinks. The best kind of religion is the one that says, hey, how can we step in and meet the need and connect and help with those that need help? Amen? Yeah. So on your seat, uh, you have a little slip if you want to take a look at that slip. Um, this is our, our, our pitch to you. This is what we do every single year is we say, hey, we're running hard after this school year. Uh, for, for hand to hand, we're ready to say, look, uh, there's not a single kid in our area that we want to be able to, that we have to turn away. We hear from a principal or a school and they say, hey, we got about five more kids uh, that would need some assistance. We don't want to be the church that says, hey, you know what? We, we just aren't in a position to be able to do that. Instead, we want to say, oh, absolutely. We've got pledges. We've got commitments. We're able to run after every single kid. How many are with me? Yeah. 
And so what you'll see on your slip there is you'll see there's a one-time donation that you can make. It's $300, and it covers the entire school year of meals. Think about that. That's actually such a great value. Hand-to-hand, -hand the ministry, and plus the way that we run our outreach center, uh, it's, it's just between the corporate sponsorships and all the other food things that they connect with, the way that we put these backpacks together. What an unbelievable amount, $300 covers an entire school year worth of weekends for these families. It's absolutely unbelievable. So you can do a one-time donation, and that would be boom. Here, we, we know, like if we get 75 people this weekend uh, that all do a one-time donation, we can go to the schools and say, look, we, we got 75 families we're going to be able to take care of. And it doesn't make a difference if you do the monthly donation. We can still say to the school, hey, we got a pledge. We can be able to pick this up, and that covers September to June. A monthly donation. It's best if you do all that online. If you like to do online, you can just set your reoccurring or do a one-time donation, but you can also use the giving boxes in the back. You just fill it out, give it in the giving boxes, mark hand-to-hand, -hand, uh, and we'll get that taken care of. Maybe you're here and you say, oh, I can't do the financial commitment right now in the situation that we're in, but you still want to help. Uh, we have an amazing team of people who deliver these. And so they'll come to the outreach center, they'll pick up the already pre-packed packages, throw them in their car, run them up to the school, and then they'll get distributed. And you say, oh, it just kind of sounds like a delivery system, whatever. Listen, the Bible is full of stories where God used food to minister to people. Amen. Somebody say, amen, thank God, right? Amen. <laughs> But I believe they're prayed over. I believe they're anointed. I believe that they're going to break barriers in families' lives. And so you go be that deliverer. Amen. And so maybe for you, you know, you can't make the donation, but, but you say, hey, I want to be somebody who can come up. It's, it's anywhere between once a month or once every six weeks would be your delivery drop-off. So it's not like a weekly grind. It's not something that's going to really interfere with the schedule. You just say, hey, put me on that rotation. I want to be a delivery person. And uh, that makes a huge, huge difference. Amen think about this 300 bucks those of you that maybe have gone on a vacation or flown anywhere 300 bucks is maybe a plane ticket that's just one plane ticket for your family and and you maybe spend that in one week 300 bucks it's a whole school year of they get to count on having weekend food uh 30 bucks a month i was gonna say that's like one one trip to culver's but not anymore <laughs> it's like one butter burger it's 30 bucks <laughs> But if you think about it in comparison to, to many of our lifestyles, um, it's such a doable number in terms of you're actually covering a family for not just one meal, not just one month, but a whole school year. They have this dependency. And there's all kinds of data that says when these kids go home and they struggle with hunger issues, they come back to school and it's hard for them to learn and retain information and stay focused because they're worrying about their next meal. Are you with me? People say, well... You know, that doesn't sound very spiritual. That doesn't sound very... It's absolutely the call that God has on every believer's life to step in and to meet the need and to go where they are. And so I hope that you will pray about it and consider it and see how you can be a part of it. I'm also so proud of this church and the way that, that you guys give into and structure things. Because here's the thing, our entire outreach center, all of the supplies, all of the materials, all of the people that are a part of it, that's all covered in our budget. Our outreach center is all covered in our budget, which means every pledge that we get literally goes directly to just feeding the kids. It doesn't go to anything else. Everything that you're going to pledge today, whether monthly or a one-time, every single bit of that goes directly to meeting the needs of one of these families. And um, we're really positioned to go make a dent in, for the kingdom. Are you with me? Amen. And so I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to release you. If you want to go down to the Information Center and get more details, either about Kids Hope or about Hand to Hand, you can do that. But I want to remind you that all the details are also online and in the app, but we're happy to answer questions in either place. We'll get you taken care of. But come on, church, let's pray about it. Let's go in. Let's step in. Let's go reach 
outside of this place and, uh, and make a difference. Amen. Let me pray for you. And then I got a couple more announcements. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful that we're here and we're in this place, Lord. And we're hearing these thoughts and ideas, uh, not just as like strategies or commercials, but God, we're hearing your heart. Your heart for the community is that you would use us, send us, position us to go be your hands, feet, and your light in the community. Lord, I pray that every person in this room would seek you and pursue you about how they might be able to make a difference. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.